Hey, RC fans, and welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. As always, I'm your host and Horizon CEO, Chris Dickerson. And with me, as always, our marketing director, Steve Petrato. Steve, good to see you out there. Yeah, good to see you, Chris. Yeah. Busy, busy season for everyone. <laughs> it's been busy indeed. A lot of pretty exciting things going on. And, um, you know, I think our guests today are going to be, uh, you know, very timely in them joining us to talk about some of the, the uh, most exciting, um, you know, I think the, the discoveries in, in RC here in a while. So, um, you know, we'll dive into that here, but maybe just first, let's kind of, let's kind of touch base on a few things. We always like to kind of just give an update of what's going on. Certainly it's been a pretty exciting and busy time for Horizon. Um, as many have seen um, probably on social media uh, we did recently update our ERP system. This is a huge undertaking. And just to provide a little bit of background, you know, we've been on our old legacy upgrade, uh, ERP system for over 25 years. So we needed to move to a new system. We knew it was going to be a big lift, a big project. Definitely, we've had some turbulence and some customer disruption. Um, we expected some of that. It's been a little more widespread than we had planned or had hoped for. But I do want to encourage and and ensure everyone that we are working tirelessly and nonstop on this. If you are somebody that's listening to this and you have an order that maybe you placed and it's been longer than our normal service level time, first of all, check your email. We send out emails to anyone who has an order that's that's not been processed in about a three or four day period. There's some instructions there on kind of where things are. And then also I would say check your account and the uh, my order details. That'll also give you some uh, updates. We had some issues there that your act open orders weren't displaying properly. That's going to be fixed this week. So start looking there. And then our goal here is to be caught up as soon as possible. We want you to get out. We want you to be able to enjoy the hobby. Um, we are sorry for this upgrade. We're hoping that it's another 25 years before we have this sort of disruption again. We know we've not lived up 100% to you know the standards we have to take care of our customers. We also know, more importantly, I mean, we are in peak hobby season. Um, we could have done this a different time of the year, but then we would have been in peak holiday season. So there really isn't a good time in our hobby to do something like this. So we wanted to avoid the holiday disruption. But we do know now is a great time to be out enjoying the hobby. We are in the midst of a lot of some of the biggest events. I mean, we just came off Axial Fest Badlands. Um, you know, we've had Joan All already this year. We've had RC Fest already this year. But there's some of the big stuff still coming up, right, Steve? I mean, maybe you can walk us through uh, some of the chances to get out there and really interact with the Horizon team uh, that they're, they're coming up. Yeah, for sure, Chris. It is a busy time, especially for the events team. Uh, right now, uh, as we're recording, this team is out at Rob's Resort out in California for Axial Fest West. Uh, that's going on all weekend. If you haven't had a chance to to catch up on that or you didn't get to attend, uh, definitely want to check out all the social media coming from the Axial Facebook pages and the Horizon pages. I know TJ's out there capturing a ton of content. Uh, and if you've not been to an Axial Fest, think about it next year. Put it on the calendar. We'll do them again next year. And they're just an awesome uh, experience for any Axial fan out there. Uh, definitely a recommend. Uh, we also have Air Meet coming up, the uh, the event in Donnerworth, Germany. Uh, TJ, myself, Ali will all be in attendance this year, and uh, we're excited. It's it's a it's a big event again. Another one that's great to follow along on social media. That's coming up August 11th and 12th. And Air Venture, I kind of skipped past that, but that's coming up uh, this coming next week. Uh, the world's largest 
full scale aviation air show. Uh, so that's a great one. Again, follow along with us there. We'll be there. We have our huge tent. If you're going to be at AirVenture, come say hi, come sign up. We're doing a, uh, uh, a shopping spree giveaway and you can try some Axial products there as well as check out all the new Horizon Hobby aircraft and cars. Uh, gosh, and then we have Urcha the same weekend <laughs> as AirMeet. So the Heli team will be out at Urcha in Muncie, Indiana. Um, and then that same exact weekend, we'll also be doing our primary NASCAR race with Michael McDowell and Team Front Row Motorsports uh, out in Indianapolis on the uh, at the Brickyard. So huge couple of weeks coming up, Chris. It's uh, it seems like you know every day there's something to pack and send out or returning a shipment, but uh, it's it's really exciting. So really fun time to be in the hobby. Yeah, and if if you're somebody that's into this hobby enough that you're listening to this podcast you're probably really into the hobby. And I know sometimes we'll see posts that say, hey, do an Axial Fest where I live. Um, obviously, yeah. it's hard for us to do a, an Axial Fest where everyone lives. So <laughs> right now, we've got these events that are in California and in Indiana. Yes, we'd like to maybe do another one a little more East Coast. Sure. But between Axial Fest and Aramit, well, Aramit's a little hard to get to if you're not in Germany, but, um, <laughs> you know, but all of these events are spread out and they are worth traveling to. Um, having been to all of them, um, these are worth, you know, taking a long weekend, taking a couple of vacation days, pack up the car and do a road trip to some of these events. They are destination events, all of them. And like you said, Steve, your team does a great job of if you can't be there follow along on social media because it's the next best thing. And maybe this year you follow along on social media. Next year you plan some vacation time and you go attend one of these events that you, you really want to check out. But if you are into the hobby, um, you know, minimally, please follow along on social media. It'll hopefully give you the inspiration to go attend one of them next year. Um, or maybe you are going to attend one of these this year. And if you are, please come out and say hi to us. Um, if you are there and it's one that Steve and I will be at, we're at some of these, um, you know, sure. come talk to the team. This is why, why we want to make sure people are there. It's a great opportunity for us to interact and hear all about your passion and the hobby. So uh, we look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. And, you know, of course, it wouldn't be a Horizon podcast without talking about some new products. So nothing like a good transition. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming out. Despite everything else going on, the product team keeps bringing the heat. So uh you know, I think the first one on my list uh, is the is the Losi release from last week. Uh, Losi dropped the Method Ford Raptor and Heatwave Baja Ray 2.0. Uh, really cool releases. I especially like the Heatwave. I think that one's probably going to end up being a little more popular. Uh, but really cool, great updates to the Baja Ray uh, platform. Just been a great platform for Losi, and they work closely with the Heatwave guys. So there's some really cool updates. You definitely want to go check those out. Um, and uh, we just had an Axial release today, Chris. We had the K10. We do, yeah. So this is the uh, built off the base SCX10 base camp platform. So yeah, if you're you know if you're a Ford guy, uh, you may want to go check out those Baja arrays because they are both beautiful. So we have the new Raptor, and then the Heat Wave is is an old old school F100, I think. Yep. Um, so for the Ford guys, we took care of you with the Baja array. For the Chevy guys. Uh, go check out the new K10 on the base camp. This thing has stunning detail um, and, you know, just looks really cool. Uh, built off the base camp platform, SCX10 base camp plat platform. So it's a much better price point um, and just great detail on the product as well. So Ford or Chevy, we got you taken care of this week. <laughs> I guess if you're a Dodge guy like me, you got to wait. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll have something soon for you. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, Good. And then, and then. 
The last thing is uh, is kind of something that's near and dear to me, but it was something that we uh, a lot of our retail partners asked for 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 many months is bringing back the Blade Inductrix. Uh, so those of you that have been longtime Horizon fans know all about the Blade Inductrix and kind of the craze that that product started. And uh, for a while, it's been out of the portfolio, but we brought it back and it will be an in-store only. So you'll be able to get it at your local retailer only. It won't be available on the website, uh, but that just released today. And it comes back with uh, much of the same things that you remember, ready to run out of the box, ready to fly out of the box. Uh, great, fun, indoor product. Good for kind of messing around in your living room, and watching TV, flying a little drone around. Uh, so that will be back very shortly in your local hobby shop. So pretty excited to see that one back. Yeah, it's awesome. It was great to hear our retailers saying, you know, hey, people still want a drone that they can just have some fun with and fly around. And obviously the Inductrix was such a, a groundbreaking product that has great performance at a great price point, just fun. It's awesome to see that back in the lineup. It's a great reason to go visit your local hobby store as that product gets back into the market. So check it out. Um, and I think speaking of products and now maybe products that are turning into a phenomena. I think this week's uh, topic, you know, we, we kind of teased this for a little while, but, you know, recently, Steve, we were lucky enough to sit down with um, Frank Root and Gil Losey Jr., two names that a lot of people know in the RC industry um, that have gotten a lot of interest recently uh, as the leads for the development of the Losey ProMoto MX. And uh, just the other day, we were able to sit down with Gil and Frank and kind of get the inside line on their inspiration and some of the challenges that they went through bringing the Lucy Promoto to market. Um, so uh, please enjoy this interview that Steve and I had with them uh, to hear all about the Lucy Promoto. Uh, enjoy. All right, thanks, Chris. Let's get right to it. Okay, everyone. Today I'm thrilled uh, to introduce two exceptional guests and to talk about something that everybody's already talking about anything anyway, Steve. I mean. Uh, we are talking about two experts today that we could talk about really anything about, but today we're here to talk about something really special, something that's been a long time uh, coming and I think has kind of lived up to the anticipation. So we are talking about none other than the much highly anticipated Losi Promoto MX. Uh, to talk to us today, we've got, first of all, Gil Losi Jr. and uh, Gil, some people may remember when you were on the show a while back, we teased very lightly you coming back uh, sometime in the future to talk about something that was going to really blow people's minds. Well, yep. uh, fast forward to today. I don't think we have the budget to like insert the clip where you uh, talk about that. We don't have, or at least I don't even know how to do that. But um, you, you kind of talked about something you were working on that was going to blow people's mind and now they know what it is. So uh, welcome back. And uh, for those that maybe don't know who Gil Lucy Jr. is, although I think most people probably do, uh, again, you know, Gil goes all the way back uh, and, and the Losey family goes back into the 70s when they really uh, were deep into RC racing, founding Team Losey Racing, which is, as we all know, one of the most iconic brands um, in, in, in the RC industry. It has innovated for years now um, and changed the landscape of radio controlled vehicles. Gil continues to carry that torch forward, and, and most recently now here with the motorcycle, um, just continuing that path of of um, of Losi's mission here of being innovative, a racer, and a leader in the industry. And then with him as well, a face that I always love to see and, and spend time with is our own Frank Root. 
Um, many know Frank. If you're a racer, you've probably been at the track with Frank and you know Frank is all about passion, loves this industry, loves to race, um, very accomplished in his own right, lives it, loves it, um, competed at all levels. Also, his day job beyond that, one of our technical experts, our product development leads, um, and took on the challenge of this crazy project. So um, we are here to talk about, like I said, the thing everybody's already talking about, which is the Losi Pro Moto. And I just wanted to kick it off by saying, first of all, welcome. And more importantly, great job, guys. <laughs> Thank you. So welcome. Um yeah, we're excited to have you here today. Like, like I said, Gil, I, like I said, I remember uh, you kind of hinting at something, you coming back. So I am genuinely excited to have you here today um, to talk about this. But uh, it's been a little while since I've seen both of you. So I imagine you've been keeping busy here the last couple of weeks, uh, fielding questions and, uh, you know, paying attention to all, all the social media buzz around this product. How's it going? You start, Frank. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's been going really well. Uh, I think, you know, we kind of knew that a motorcycle, an RC motorcycle, was something that a lot of people kind of wanted, wanted to have one, wanted it to be good. Um, and I feel like when the Promoto MX launched, even a couple of the videos that we put out uh, up front just really kind of showed that, hey, this is not only something uh, that we wanted, but it's going to be good like we wanted it to to, to be as well. And uh, so, yeah, I think that really got everybody's juices flowing. People got excited. Um, we've had some motorcycles flow out and the reviews are pretty much unanimously positive. People are enjoying it. They're they're using it in all the ways that we hoped and even some that we didn't anticipate. And uh, <laughs> yeah, overall, the, the only the only question out there really that uh, is, you know, when, when is mine coming? So, yeah, it's been really, really positive. Absolutely. Well, maybe real quick too, uh, you know, Frank, if you want, maybe before we jump in, we do have, I think, some people that listen to this bro this broadcast on an ongoing basis, maybe even an air customer or two out there that's like, this is all great. What's a promoto? Um, <laughs> maybe just at a real high level for that one person in our industry that's been asleep for the last three weeks. Um, maybe just tell them a little bit about what the promoto <laughs> is um, and then we'll dive into what makes it so special here, too. Yeah, so basically it's a one-quarter scale RC dirt bike motorcycle. Um, and it's just something that there have been some other RC motorcycles in the past, but they've always relied on just kind of like a mechanical gyro type setup. And they've been kind of clunky and they've never really gotten the full uh, development process put in them to figure out how to make a vehicle that requires balance to work, right, to, to really make it work right to look authentic um, and look authentic while it's performing, not just while it's sitting stationary. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of the challenge. This is, you know, we, we kind of been saying finally is our tagline. Finally, there's a good RC dirt bike out on the market. And uh, you know, it's not the first dirt bike, but it's the first good one and, and the first one by a major brand in the space. And uh, yeah, it's people have been waiting for it and it's here. So lots of excitement. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you know, just before I ask my question, I have to say I I, uh, I still have my Tyco Jeremy McGrath dirt bike, RC dirt bike, and I can't wait to uh, one day when I have my Promoto, put it up next to it and look how drastically different they are together. But that one, you know, as a kid kind of coming up in the RC world, that one really changed my view on how cool it would be if we had one that worked better. 
And uh, once you now kind of are at that point, it's, it's just mind blowing how awesome the promoter is. But um, one of the question I had, guys, and this is will kind of kick us off into the into the broader conversation is just the, you know, take us through the journey. Um, day one is many years ago, I'm sure. But take us through the journey and you guys can pass it off between each other of what it kind of took to develop this product and talk about some of the key challenges you faced and how you overcame them and some of the things that I know our, our customers definitely want to definitely want to know about, because this was not an easy project by any stretch of the imagination, especially even in the terms of horizon innovation, this one took probably more than most. Um, so yeah, if you don't mind, but walk us through the whole process from day one. Well, I, before we get too started, I'd also like to say that, you know, we had the ranch pitch shop back in the eighties, which was a very iconic racetrack and store. And, um, Back when I was a kid, believe it or not, if that's possible anymore. But, yeah, my father used to go around the world and hit all the different trade shows and find products for us to import and sell through the store and through mail order in those days. And we used to bring in a few different motorcycles at different times. And the demand for a bike had always been obvious. And it was always been the holy grail of something I wanted to work on because of all those over-the-counter experiences and just seeing how people would react to each bike. And they were always so disappointed when you told them it was really, really hard to drive and it didn't really work correctly. And um, so the pent-up demand has been there since since I was a kid. Yeah. And firsthand got to watch people hit the Italian Nitro bikes, the, the Kyosho bikes, the Thunder Tiger bikes. You know, later the the Duratrax and the, the Venom and the, um, you know, the Jeremy McGrath bike and just – Everybody always wanted it, but nobody could ever give them one that they could actually enjoy. <laughs> and that kind of led to when Chris asked me, what would you like to do next? I brought up doing a bike and he got a twinkle in his eye and he said, oh, yeah, we have something we might want to show you one of these days. <laughs> and, I, and I got introduced to the, to the project that John Adams had started, which was the, the beginnings of this where he kind of – I had an idea for a control system and how it would, would function. And they built it into a sky RC road bike and it worked well enough to get really excited about. And then we had to figure out how to, you know, convert that to something that had a much higher center of gravity and the, the, the flywheel in a different location, which created many different problems than that bike had. And so began our journey into this, you know, we kind of picked up a, a prototype that one of the earlier engineers at LOSI was working on at, with John Adams' control system. But when you move the gyro up onto the bike and the battery up, up high in the bike where you could actually fit a battery and then put a rider on it, the center of gravity was uh, at least twice as high, if not, you know, three times higher than that first prototype bike, which created a whole ser series of just technical challenges and, and Kind of took us, Frank and I, a long time to learn the control system, then weed out what was mechanical behavior from computer behavior and educate ourselves. You know, for me, it was a lot of hours of reading motorcycle dynamics books and kind of getting ideas and areas to explore to solve problems we were having and then bouncing between that and the, the computer. And with Frank's, Frank's probably the most consistent test driver I've ever worked with 
which made it really, I don't know if any other driver could have helped me weed out the differences between mechanics and software like he did. Hmm. But that was kind of my journey into this. Frank can talk to it from his side. Yeah. I mean, kind of similar to Gil, we, we had an introduction into the controller system that John had kind of kicked off. And, and really this comes from another um, spectrum innovation, right? It's basically the controller system was a, a mix uh, of a, safe and AS three X built into a surface controller where we're trying to not drive the bike by steering the front forks, but by controlling the bike um, through a target lean angle, right? So it was a completely different approach. And really it was the piece that all the other RC motorcycles had always been missing because if you're just really relying on your steering inputs being reversed, just everything happens too fast for most people to practically be able to drive it. And specifically on like loose condition surfaces, right? If you're running on like a, a road track and you have some front tire grip and you just kind of cruising around, it's a little easier. So we, we tested that system. We saw that there was something there. Um, we had one of our uh, engineers design up basically a test bed to start testing it. And then Gil and I just went ham. I mean, for a while we were driving with a stick radio because all the technology only existed in like a DX9. Uh, and then we got it buddy box to a, a surface radio, but then we had some lag issues and finally had it built out into a DX five where we could have access to all the parameters within the receiver. And like Gil said, it was just a ton, ton, a ton of trial and error. It's, uh, you know, you have, uh, different values in each axis of the system. Um, and you have, uh, different values in safe and AS three X and they overlap and compute on top of each other. So you just you push one value up 20 and another one down 20 and that doesn't work and then you you go you know down 10 on this one and up five on that one and I mean, we would have multiple values we'd spend a day out at the track without changing a piston or a spring or anything we're just changing values in the transmitter trying to figure out the control system and then we'd get you know make a good step with the control system and then okay well now we're jumping the thing the rear shock is way off okay we got to figure out <laughs> how to dampen and pack this thing and uh how much, uh, you know, trail we need in the fork system, how, how long the wheelbase should be, how, wh where the flywheel should be. Um, if, can we drop it three millimeters? Can we increase the mass or decrease the mass or the RPM? And it was just, a un, uncanny amount of just trial and error. Um, cause we're trying to figure out something that we had never worked with specifically before, but had never really figured out. So it's kind of trying to, to figure out a way to solve the problem. And the only way to really do it was a lot of trial and error. You had some mechanical issues to pretty seriously overcome in this too, as I remember throughout the process. I mean, some of this stuff was, you know, I remember kind of the front shocks, I think were, were a challenge. They're not like a normal RC shock. Um, so some, Again, I don't, we don't want to give away any of the secret sauce here. There's a lot of magic in this motorcycle, yeah. but um, you know, uh, there's also a lot of a lot of hard work and hours dedicated to to some pretty serious engineering on that little motorcycle too. So, yeah, I mean, I think once we got the controller system figured out and had a general feel about where we were at with most of the geometry, we you know we got with Mike Mellon, who's our senior design engineer. I mean, he's really our expert on our team. He's the go-to guy for for all the younger engineers and. Uh, he was the only one that could was ready to design this. And it took some time because we're trying to crack a nut that hadn't been cracked before. And 
usually once we do all of our prototype testing and development, and then we go into like a production molded released kind of design, usually there's not that many things that change after we get those samples, right? We might have this part or that part that's got a weak spot and we need to beef it up or whatever, but usually we're not really learning about the product uh, that much. And this was even a shock, I think, to Gil and I of how many things we still had to learn once we got the bike in that phase. Because the prototype bike that we had, we could jump a little bit, but not really that much because a lot of the bike was prototyped, 3D printed, et cetera. And the consequences for getting it wrong were steep. Um, so once we got the, the tooled sample, it's like, all right, well, there's a double here. People are going to jump it. So let's start. And we found out a lot about the forks and shocks that, that weren't up to par for what we expect out of the performance of a low C vehicle. Um, we, yeah, we were, uh, having a lot of volume displacement issues with the front forks, which was causing some pressure build and some, um, bleed off. Like we were basically leaking the shocks and then we had issues with the forks loosening up and. We had quite a few issues with the forks. Our rear shock assembly was originally designed around a nine pound spring because uh, we thought that would be appropriate on our test vehicle. And on the production vehicle, once we started to really be able to send jumps, we kind of realized like, oh, that's way too soft. And we're up in the 21 pound range, but it's not just about that spring. It's all of the leverage in the rear suspension is now going through two and a half times, 250% the, the force and pressure that it was. So all those parts needed to be re-engineered to, to have material added to be beefed up and made more durable. And there's just a lot of lessons like that, that we learned on this bike um, throughout the process. Uh, and I, I think you, you saw the uh, modification tooling invoices come through. So you know pretty well about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think you said it at the beginning, Frank, you know, it, it, we knew that this had to be right or we weren't going to release it. And that, that's part of, I think, the commitment that Horizon has, but you two lived out and owned, um, you know, as the leaders of this project, that w we knew that there'd be people that kind of expected this to be, you know, kind of yet another not-so-hot motorcycle. And, and um, you know, so there was a, a big challenge. So to get it right was, was certainly worth it. And I think all the attention to detail on this project is amazing. And I remember, I think, I think one of my favorite memories, Frank, for this project was we were at, out, out West with, in Todd's office one evening for about 45 minutes talking about rider jerseys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, and I say that as a complete compliment because that's the stuff that a lot of people also kind of don't spend a lot of time on. I think even some of the, the iterations of a motorcycle in the past, they've had like a, you know, a screen printed, you know, driver jersey on them and things like that, that just looks, doesn't look, look the part. I mean, I'm amazed by some of the photography the team has done. I mean, you have to kind of really look at some of this to tell if it's the full scale, real, real rider on the bike, or if it's, if it's the RC model. And it's because of that attention to detail that, that you and the team have put into this project. It's pretty awesome to see. So, um, a lot of hours, a lot of time, you know, paying attention to, to little bitty things and, and the big stuff, too, that, that made it all come together. So pretty exciting. I, I do want to ask, I mean, I said at the beginning, I mean, you guys are both really accomplished drivers and racers. Um, I think we had an inclination that, you know, the size of this bike and, and you know, the performance of it would lend itself to, to some racing, um, you know, I guess the question here is, you know, you're both expert racers. You you have an intimate understanding of racers are looking for, 
you know, how did that experience um, influence your development of the pro moto? I'll let Gil take this one. I feel like I have the last couple. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for, for me personally, you know, again, I go back to my, my, I started life in off road, but my true passion was on road, you know, eight scale off on road gas was my, where I kind of finished my career focused at. And we did try to run a bunch of road bikes and they just never worked right. But for me, I, I still look forward to the to the supermoto version of this and getting out on road courses and kind of the, those tight long battles that you can have for for long periods of time on asphalt is kind of gets gets me excited. I mean, I, I think for me and, and you know, Gil kind of alluded it to it earlier, but being able to you know have the experience on racetracks, being able to drive well allows us to kind of test things more methodically because we can kind of remove the driving from the equation a little bit. So that's one thing that kind of helped through the stages. Uh, Another thing that was invaluable to this project, and and I can't thank the guys at ProLine enough, but the test track at ProLine. I mean, I I don't know how we test this bike without access to that track um, because there's just no no way we could have gotten in the, the time and the reps that we did uh, you know, without a closed course like that and kept the, the project secretive. Right. So that was really important. Um, I think for me, I, I have a passion for racing and competition, right? Like that's where my background is. That's what really drives me. I'm not as much of like a, you know, in RC bashing, it's not really my, you know, at the forefront of my passion in the hobby. Um, and when I got this project, I kind of was like, Hey Todd, that's cool. I'm sure I could do it, but I don't really know a lot about motorcycles, you know, like, should we be, should, am I the right guy for this? Do I have, do I, ha, am I the right guy on the team? Cause I thought a couple other guys on the team might be better suited. And once I got paired up with Gil and we really kind of grew our relationship, um, in terms of working together, cause we pretty much worked on this exclusively together for the last three years. Um, I kind of realized that there was enough knowledge with Gil that I could kind of learn the motorcycle thing as I went, which we did pretty well, but just, um, you know, my passion for motorcycle racing for mountain biking and everything grew along with the project. It was pretty exciting. Um, watching motos every week now and really into that side of the hobby. But the thing that to me, going back to your questions that I just really enjoy is this thing's fun, no matter where you drive it, you, you put it in wheelie mode, you go out in the street, you're grinning from ear to ear. You want to put it on a road course and, and put it on the wheelie suppression mode, same result. Um, but for me, you put it on a dirt track and it looks like a motorcycle, like a one-to-one motorcycle. It's throwing roost, it's carbon berms, it's downsiding jumps, and you see the suspension working, uh, popping wheelies. And it, it, it just gets my passion for RC going in a way that nothing else has before in my time in RC. I have 30 years in RC now. And I called Todd uh, multiple times, multiple different days on the way home from testing and just said, I had more fun today with RC than I've ever had before. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm driving on a track, but I'm not racing anybody. I just, I'm hitting these berms, I'm carving these, you know, hitting these jumps. And it's just, there's n- nothing more fun than I've, I've done in this hobby. And a couple of days, I was fortunate enough to have another uh rider out there. We won't call them drivers. They're riders now, uh, but had Anthony Westergaard out there with me and we're doing battles. We're crossing each other over and under and, and bumping in the berms. And that's a, 
a whole nother level of enjoyment uh, even yet. I can't wait for everybody else to get to experience that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I got to imagine the, the having the pro line track, just you have to get laps in on this thing to really see and to tune it. And I know you guys talked about a little bit of the, the, the system behind it all, the, now it's titled as MS6X, you said SAFE and AS3X, which is kind of the two technologies mishmashed together. Um, can you guys go into further detail a little bit for our listeners to kind of, how does that system ultimately work without giving away the secret sauce? And then what kind of tuning did you have to go to? What kind of process did it take to get that system working together? Because you've got the flywheel mixed with the gyro system on board. Um, so I know it's a little bit unique for someone who doesn't quite understand how all that works together. Well, I'll start with the flywheel first is what stabilizes the mass and makes the bike want to stand up. So as you slow down and the bike starts to rotate either direction, that flywheel creates an opposite um, yaw and roll and helps hold the bike up at slower speeds. It also slows down the transition of the bike. So kind of you have to walk the balance of enough flywheel to keep it stable and then still try to make the bike nimble enough to be enjoyable. Um, so if, and then, so the, the software, the basic software, you have complete control of the throttle and brake, but from the steering wheel, you actually are just requesting a lean angle. And then from there, the computer's trying to hit a target lean angle and then balance. So your arc of the turn is based on what that balance point is for the speed and the target lean angle. And when people figure that out and start to really learn how to drive it and you get it, you start to get the experience of true motorcycle, you know, physics or the experience of motorcycle physics. And to me, that's the funnest part of the bike is you can literally take a car out and master a corner and the differences between getting it right or wrong are pretty small. And if you're not having somebody to race with, it just gets kind of, kind of boring after a while, but this your breaking point when you turn, how far you let it go before you pick up the throttle and the, how the throttle affects the balance point. All those interactions are this, just like a real bike. And if anybody spent time on a real bike, it's so hard to get two turns exactly the same. And the part of the pleasure is the challenge of, of the physics of a bike and trying to get your braking zones, right. Your braking speed, right. When you turn in, when you let the bike, you know, really lane into the apex, when you pick up the throttle, how much, and you can spend hours out just playing with that experience and no car I've ever driven has that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, very cool. I, I guess, um, you know, and I've, I've been pretty lucky on this one. Like I said, it's been a, a long time coming and I, I feel like I've been fortunate enough to be behind, kind of behind the curtain on this one. And um, I think it was, you know, a few years ago when, when we were doing a bit of a blue sky session and just said, you know, what would be one of those really cool things to do? And I agree with you, Gil. I mean, I think this falls in the holy grail type type part of the conversation. And as somebody who rides motorcycles, it you know, personally, I was all in on this being a great idea. Um, we, we try not to do those projects that we just like as um, enthusiasts, but, you know, something we think would really be a fundamentally new experience for people. Um, it's been really cool. And like I said, yeah, John had that first kind of Frankenstein bike that he had built. But, you know, that's a long way from from the, <laughs> the uh, 
finished product you guys brought to market. It's one thing to kind of hack together something that you can drive in, in a parking lot to prove a concept. It's another thing to have something that you can make commercially ready and, and have people really enjoy. And, and it, it wasn't always, I think through the process, something, I think we knew if you could get it right, it would be awesome. But, but there were certainly times where, you know, it was also a little uncertain. Can you get it right? I think. And, um, I guess, you know, my thought is maybe both of you and, um, I'll ask you Frank first and then Gil, but, you know, was there a moment in the project that you realized, yeah, this is going to be something really special. We're, we're going to figure it out. And I actually have a moment for both of you when I could tell, I'll tell you when, when my moment was, but I'll let you guys go first, but I'm going to ask you both the same question. So did you have a moment, Frank, when you were just like, yep, this is going to be cool. Yeah, we, uh, so we first, when we first started testing, it was like mid COVID, right. When we first had our prototype ready and we went kind of from parking lot to like, all right, well, if it doesn't work on dirt, then why are we doing a dirt bike? And, uh, one of the other developers, Ryan Dunford has a track in his backyard and it's pretty small. It's like 10th scale sized. And there was a turn on the track at the end of the back straight that it's a 180, and it probably from, you know, outside of lane to outside of lane is probably 22, 24 foot diameter. And I couldn't make it around the turn. I just, you couldn't. And I'm like, man, this is, that's not, it's not going to work if we can't figure this out. And we were, at the time, we were doing all of the control system with safe in basically roll axis and pitch axis. We had no yaw axis turned in mm. and Gil kind of figured out for us to try to turn on the yaw axis. And we actually ended up accidentally reversing it and boom, some magic <laughs> turned on. Um, and right about that time, we had also, Gil had also kind of ideated and developed the first prototype of the lean bars that we had. Because most other motorcycles, you know, they have like a wire hoop or a nylon right. loop that's that kind of rolls onto. But when you hit that thing on an inconsistent surface like dirt, it bounces the bike up, upsets it, gets it out of its lean, and really throws the electronic process off. So we kind of got both that basically yaw axis working and the lean bars at the same time. And we went from not being able to go around that track to like, hey, man, I'm doing race laps now. Like, we need a bigger track and start pushing the limits of this. Um, and that's when I was like, all right, now, now we have some of the tools needed. I mean, we, we're not there. We have a long way to go, but it went from like, Shh, can we really move forward to this with this to, Oh yeah, we can. Okay. How about you, Gil? You know, well, I can, I, I can remember celebrating a U-turn in a normal parking lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Fair no, I, point. I always felt we could get there based on the prototype that John built. It's like there was no question we could get there. There was just kind of the if we had time and resources to find out how. And, you know, literally I have the, the printer from Horizon st still sitting in my garage. I've worn out two of them between the start of the project and now. And, um, yeah, the amount of revisions of front-end geometry versus – relationship to software settings that we tried and <laughs> i'll go back to, to, to frank's thing the first time we tried to run the bike at dunford's track over a jump and it basically crashed itself into the face of every jump <laughs> and we had to go back and try to figure out what part of that is software what can be fixed and then what do we do mechanically to to, to, to save it and 
Mm-hmm. All the steering linkage systems came out of those questions, and it's just it was an amazingly long and I I found it very enjoyable. This is exactly the kind of th- challenge I enjoy. Um, I'm not much of a big fan of derivative projects. I, I get bored really quick, but something this hard keeps me engaged. Well, and that that is one of my I had three moments when I knew we had something special. And and one of those moments was exactly what you said, Gil. We were talking at one point and you said something to the effect of I haven't I haven't had to work this hard and be this challenged in a long time and it's awesome. <laughs> Maybe not your exact words, but something to that effect. And I was like, "Okay, if we're challenging Gil that much, this is really going to be good because it's not derivative. It's something new, it's something unique." My other was a little more, uh, I would say, evolutionary, and it was Frank being just the barometer. I mm-hmm. knew if Frank was truly excited and locked in, that he wasn't he wasn't going to be an easy sell. Um, he was it was going to have to work and really live up to its potential for Frank to believe in it. And I I can't remember the exact conversation, but there was a conversation where. Maybe it was after you could uh, you could make that jump, Frank, but it, it, your your whole engagement, you know, it was like I could tell we cleared the hurdle because you are now pushing it forward, you know, instead of challenging it. And and to me, those that's exactly what we want, because that's that meant this was something really new and something unique. And I think my last one was um, when you guys were back in Illinois, we had an earlier sample um, and we had Bruce Candidi was driving it, uh, the product support manager. And, you know, he'd never seen the thing. He'd never driven the thing. And you, you guys threw it out on the, the runway for him out of the Eli field. And he just grabbed the throttle and took off. And he goes, I, I, I didn't expect to be able to drive this. And <laughs> the fact that he was able to just grab it and go and have fun. It's like, okay, that's the final test. Someone who's lived with it for the last three years, I get they've they've figured it out, but I mean it was it was really cool to to be able to kind of just witness those moments as as um, you guys kind of came on board, uh, you know, and and got over the hurdles, and then we you know kind of got to see early user experiences. That and the riding motorcycle, uh, riding wheelies across the pad out of Eli was pretty cool too. I mean, again, wheelie mode's probably my favorite favorite experience personally of of the motorcycle, but that's yeah. just because wheelies are cool. I think I had, if I had, I had two that I could think of is really one was the first when John showed me the prototype. This was, I think we were at the old building. It was this long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that'd be what, 2018-ish time frame. Yeah. Um, and John showed me and I was like, no way, man, that, that drives so slow. You know, and, and my only mindset was my old Tyco thing that you had to wait till it spun up and then you had to basically throw it to make it go. And he was doing figure eights in the parking lot slower than I could imagine just because that, that the system he had designed, the gyro system. And then the second one was when we were all over, uh, we went to did a dinner at Chris Yoon's house and, and he had one there. It wasn't too long ago. So it was pretty close to finalization, but just seeing everyone and having a good time uh, from, from all walks of product development and marketing and uh, different, different positions in the company, everyone having a good time driving it out front of his house, uh, hoping that none of the neighbors had their windows open late at night. But uh, it was, it was a cool, cool to see everyone so excited about that project. But uh, yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, uh, the, the next question I had here guys was kind of on that same vein, but you know, you've got two very distinct 
groups of customers, at least in my opinion, that this will attract the racer who will be, you know, want to be competitive with it. And really the guy that's the casual, maybe he's a casual basher, maybe he's a, a motorcycle enthusiast himself. Um, you know, I guess the question to you two uh, is just what do you think about it will excite either one of those, or maybe there's something else I'm not thinking about, but what is it about that that will excite both very distinct, different groups of, uh, of customers on this one? I mean, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, I think the way that I'm looking at it is that the two groups are there, but they're a little different. And the the group one is the motorcycle enthusiast who's finding RC for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then the other group are the RC people who can finally have the RC motorcycle. Um, I find that there's an overwhelming amount of the race crowd who is actually into motocross. Like I pretty much don't know any RC racers who don't watch Supercross on Saturday nights. Um, you know, we're, we'll be at races and everybody will be streaming in on their on their phone or we'll be getting done early and going to dinner somewhere where there's a TV big enough to watch Supercross. So, you know, those people, they're, they're there and they're ready. And then um, for them, I think, you know, it's it, it is a bike and it's not a car. And, and learning the difference between the physics of a four wheel vehicle and the physics of a two wheel vehicle is something that takes a while. I know I had to learn it. and Gil got to watch me learn it throughout this project kind of firsthand. Right. Um, and then you, you're going to have your motorcycle or mountain bike enthusiast who's going to find RC. And in some ways, it might be a little easier for them to learn because they already have their mind wrapped around two-wheel drive physics, yeah. right? So um, like with a car, you're most likely to slide a front tire. And if you slide a front tire, you're never going to spin out, right? And with a motorcycle, if you, you can slide your rear tire for six miles and never wreck, you slide your front tire for an inch, you're going down, right? So it's it's a completely different dynamic. And, and I think learning that dynamic and trying to understand how the physics worked of a motorcycle was like, for me, the funnest part of the project. So I think all the RC people who aren't two wheel people really have that to look forward to for the motorcycle people uh, who are coming into it. Like they've never been able to enjoy the RC hobby fully because they haven't been able to get that experience yet. So them for them, they're really getting to, to learn the experience of RC, like, oh, I just hit that 20 foot jump and I don't have to worry about my ankles or my collarbones, uh, <laughs> you know, and they get that kind of excitement out of it. So yeah. what about you, Gil? Well, I got to tell you, everybody I put this in front of has just freaked out. I don't care if it's the truck drivers driving down the street when we're testing, they stop and ask questions. They rarely do about other products. Um, and anybody that's been into any sort of motorsports, I think, if even just as a enthusiast watching on TV is going to enjoy this. So the, you know, and it, it, it even has a little bit of a behavior like flying an airplane, the way you have to maintain speed and bank angle. And, you know, there's, there's some pieces of that that give you that experience on, on surface for the first time. So I've yet to meet a person that drove it that didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and again, anybody who does wheelie mode, even whether you whether you uh, are into motorcycles or RC or whatever, I mean, like I said, who doesn't love a wheelie? Um, I, that definitely puts a, a smile on people's faces. But um, no, you're right. It it definitely it's definitely a unique experience and something that I think even for somebody like yourself, Frank or Gil, I mean, there's still some new new things to learn to really master uh, driving this thing. 
So good. Um, well, I wanted to ask her, I guess there's a, a compliment here and a statement and then a question. But, you know, I remember right before this thing launched, um, you know, Frank, you sent me an email and you said, hey, I'm just kind of thinking about this project. And, you know, man, it's taken so many people to work on this. I mean, obviously, there's four of us on on this here today, but it's it, to work on something this complicated, this challenging, this long, this hard, the list goes on to do the videos. And we didn't even talk about the packaging or anything. I mean, when I, when I saw the first sample of the, you know, the first production sample and it was in packaging, I think I spent 20 minutes before I opened the box, you know, just, just reading all the panels and looking at the artwork and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, obviously collaboration is key to anything we do. And it takes a lot of folks to, to, to do anything we do here at Horizon. Um, but maybe, again, if you both want to add comments here, but, you know, maybe shed a little light on some of the teamwork throughout the various parts. We've talked a little bit about the teamwork between, um, you know, Spectrum in particular to get the electronics working well. I know um, folks like Miguel and, um, Matt Olson have, have, were really helpful to you guys, and again, couldn't have couldn't have gotten this done. But I mean, just maybe shed a little light or, or anything on you know where where others had to step in or others stepped in to really make this finished good, great. Uh, yeah, I'll take this one since I'm the one that sent you the email. I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So normally, uh, like obviously, there's. I work as a product developer and when people ask me, what does a product developer do? I say, I, I work on every part of the project, but I don't actually do anything, right? Like I talk to the purchasing agents, but I don't place any POs and I talk to the marketing people, but I don't design the box and I, I work with the vendor, but I don't make the thing and I work with the engineer and I don't design it, right? So it's, it's kind of always a joke. So we're always working with multiple different parts of the business, but with this product being something that we had kind of tabbed as potentially being big for, for low C and big for horizon, it got a little more attention than, than normal projects. And because of the, the length of the development process uh, compared to a normal project, just it went through so many more hands, had so many more eyes, and there were so many more problems that needed critical thinking and problem solving from different parts of the business. So um, yeah, we, we have a, a thing here at work where we, we are able to give somebody a high five uh, virtually through through a platform called AwardCo. And I basically got to like the 15th of a month and I'm like, man, I'm out of I'm out of fives to give. Like, I don't have any more I can give this month. And I just had this list of people that I wanted to thank for all their help. And I just started, you know, kind of reflecting about the project and, and how many people had touched it. And I started making a list and uh I actually sent one, a new one out last week to Abby and, and we're over 90 names. I mean, of people who were directly working on this, that's not, you know, the, the warehouse people that are helping receive it and ship it out. Uh, that's not the product support people who are taking calls, but people who are directly involved in getting this thing to market. Um, and like we kind of talked about earlier, it all started with John. I mean, John had an idea. He's a motorcycle enthusiast. Um, he had this idea. He started the project. I'm sure he worked with one of the engineers, uh, software engineers on the spectrum side. Right. So there's a couple people already working on it. And then they have to have that idea and think that it's viable. Then they share it with yourself. They share it with Todd. And he brings the idea to us. We had an engineer design a prototype, an engineer design the production side. We worked with I mean, uh, I think you were there one of the times we came to Champagne to test. You know, there's six people out at Eli Field all day running through problems, ideating solutions, 
And, and those are just some of the steps. But like you said, we have the marketing team doing the box art, the videos, the photos. And we have multiple different photographers working on different types of photos, people taking the video, people editing the video. Um, some people uh, kind of figuring out the ideal demand for the product and placing the POs. And it just, you know, we have a, a, a large employee base here at Horizon, but there's got to be more than at, by the time we end up selling through all these bikes, more than half the companies put their hands on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people work on an iPhone and Apple, but I don't know if it's half the employees. So, um, you know, Chris is always telling us, you know, it takes a village, but like quite literally it, 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 it did on this project. And I would say it's untraditional because like a normal product would take us anywhere from like 18 to 24 months to develop kind of from concept to, to shelf. And this was six years since John's concept in 2017. And Gil and I, I mean, we haven't done anything else since basically like, the middle to end of 2019. I mean, this is all we've been doing. So, um, but it's all the people that helped us along the way. It's, it's, it's insane to think about and it's, it's too many to name, but I mean, I just want to thank, um, Chris yourself, first of all, you know, for just being supportive of the product project. And, you know, normally we have our ETRs and we're trying to drive towards our goals, but we were given the time and the resources to make sure we got this one right, which was really important. And to be supported from the top that way is critical in that. And then from Todd, same thing. I mean, he he gave, uh, you know, Gil and Mike and I, you know, the focus on this, cleaned our plate of other other things and, and helped handle those and always was a champion for the product. And then uh, Mike Mellon, obviously the engineer, really critical um, to designing this and innovating it with with us and Brian Nunez from the Losi uh, marketing team. I mean, he really championed this product and he brought this to market in a way that we haven't done with any other Losi products. And I think that's a big part of the success of this product was his outside the box stink, uh, thinking his kind of new age styling. I mean, like you said, that box art looks nothing like box art that we traditionally get from Losi. And we had the, the, the resources and the time, and the priority put on it to be able to, to kind of go outside the box on everything. And then just lastly to Gil, I mean, I, I knew Gil before he started working on this project with me, but I mean, we're, I would say good friends now. I've got a little uh, mentor mentee relationship. Uh, we talk pretty much every day or have for the last uh, four years. So there's probably nobody at horizon that I've worked more closely with in my time here. And uh, yeah, it was just, just a crazy adventure and it is so grateful to be the one who got to be able to go along with, uh, with all these people. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, it probably need to let you get back to, uh, you know, whatever's next on your plate. I'm sure, I'm sure Todd hasn't just let, let you take it easy. Now you're probably on to the next latest, greatest thing. And, and, uh, you know, again, we, we've kind of, talked about it but obviously the you know the motorcycle has lived up to our expectations and probably out of the gate exceeded our expectations um so um you know obviously we're we'll see it's gonna be exciting to see where this path goes we'll maybe have to we'll put a teaser out here again and say well the next time we've got uh you know the next iteration or the next wow thing here we'll have you guys back again um because it's certainly a big part of of what Losi has done for, for over 40 years now. And this is just, uh, you know, the latest and greatest in, in a long line of, of Losi 
bringing awesome products to market and, and really creating that race experience. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, normally I'm, I'm thinking, Steve, you know, normally we kind of say, hey, this is where we, we turn the mic over to people. But I feel like the only thing people want to hear from Frank and Gil is when can I get my motorcycle? So um, <laughs> we won't put you guys on the spot for that. I think, um, you know, it's worth the wait is what I would probably tell people. Is that fair, uh, guys that, you know, yeah, even we are getting them. I, I spoke to Michael Ritter, our COO, just uh, before this call, and he said we have containers arriving. And so, you know, there will be a flow of, of motorcycles coming out. It kind of depends on when you got in line and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's like getting Taylor Swift tickets. Um, uh, you can tell I have a teenage daughter, Steve, but um, this, this is uh, our version of that. But I do just want to say, we'll let you guys get back to it. Um, but, you know, thank you, you know, so much for bringing this excitement. I, there were so many comments and I mean, comments of, I think two of my favorite ones I saw on social media, one was just, this is the best product in 10 years in our industry. And, and without thinking back through all the detail, I would probably agree with that. And my other one was just somebody who said, I didn't know I needed a radio controlled motorcycle and now I must have one. And to me, those are the, those are exactly what we want to hear. You guys nailed it. I think if you'd compromised an inch, it would have shown. Um, and, and you didn't. So, you know, just thank you. And, and just want to kind of publicly say how proud we are of the whole team um, and for your leadership through this. So is there anything we missed that you two want to cover before we let you get back to it? Or um, I would just like to add that, you know, we created what we could in the time we had, and I can't wait to see what the rest of the industry does with it now, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, every every time we've had a market segment get started from a kind of a new point and everybody gets excited and jumps on, it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And I'm excited to see where this goes over the next five years. That's a good yeah, one. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. yeah and that is a, a, an exciting thing within our industry, right? Is when things really take hold, you look at the crawler segment or the race segment, it's always because it gets aftermarket support. I know ProLine did a great job. Obviously, they've got a little inside line, um, you know, coming out with some hop-ups and some tires um, out of the gate. But I, I think, you know, it'll be exciting to see what others do and uh, to can continue to, to, to expand the hobby. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm excited well. to see what we do. Yeah, I was going to say, we've got, we've got lots of stuff up our sleeves still. And that's just, you know, now you guys, you spent how many years on this project? Now you get to do something else. It's got to be a, a little bit of a sigh but of a relief, but also a little bit of a, probably a sadness, right? It's like, you're, you're, you're well, now what do I do? <laughs> but I mean, normally we kind of set into that, right? It's like, you're yeah. just on to the next one. But with this one, it just took so much focus that the next one didn't really kick off until the day after. So it's definitely, we're kind of in a, uh, a little bit of a project morning phase, I guess you could say, right. but, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you guys know how it is. There's, there's plenty of things on our plate and we're moving forward and we're moving on to the, the next most exciting thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's one of the, I think one of the things that we're all really lucky for, right? There's always the, the next big thing. And uh, that's what keeps people in the hobby. That's what keeps us excited and thrilled at our jobs. So um, thank you guys again, just for the hard work. Thanks for coming on and talking about it again. I think this is the thing everybody's talking about anyway. So 
at least here they get to hear a little of the inside scoop from the two people who were closest to it. And um, although we didn't give them any tips or hints on, you know, again, how to how to score one, how, how to score a promoto, I would say use the dealer locator, call your local hobby shop if you're really trying. Maybe you can get lucky and, um, you know, they one shows up for them. So if you're if you're really wanting one, be diligent. It is worth the wait. So. Guys, thank you. We appreciate it. And um, we'll have you back the next time you have something this awesome. And that won't be too long, I have the feeling. So good deal. Thank you, Frank. Thank, thank you. you.